The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. I've been racking my brain. I can't remember the other one of things I have to say. It's electric boogie woogie woogie. Um, all right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with his brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. That was the my first album ever. And then, first things first, I pop a freak all the honey. Those are the three things. I, I, there's another one. I'm just I can't. But I, I'm not kidding. I stay in front of everybody. It doesn't matter who it is. I will follow it up. I'm weird like that. 877-337-6666. Looking forward to the Knicks tonight. We really haven't talked. We talked a lot of Knicks yesterday. Knicks Mavericks tonight at 830. That's a good test. We'll have a little maybe we'll get to some Knicks tomorrow night after that game. That's a test. That's not the Trailblazers. That's a good test against Luka Doncic and see if they can go take in Dallas, continue this win streak to six. There's a little bit of Nick news. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is now expected back late in the season. The NBA did deny the Knicks their $7.5 million request uh, for insurance purposes to get back for Mitchell Robinson missing the entire year. So apparently the doctors looked at him, and they think he will be back before the end of the year. So... No money, but maybe Mitch, and that would be a big boost to this team. But right now, I'm surprised that they haven't missed him as much as I thought they would. I mean, at the start of the year, he was having his best year as a Nick. He was having the best year of his career. That great story about his high school coach and him taking him in after the coach's wife died and all that. Um, It just felt like this was going to be Mitchell Robinson's year and the devastating injury. It's just a devastating injury to, to miss this much time for him. And I thought I liked Hartenstein for his role. Coming in when he, you know, given that, you know, being that guy off the bench coming in replacing Mitch, and I thought he did a decent enough job, and I liked him, but he has completely stepped up. I mean, more than almost anyone else on the team, in my estimation. Like, some roles have emerged, and DiVincenzo's been a little bit better, and obviously Brunson and Randall have have really, Randall's really been great scoring the basketball, and Brunson... Uh, has really stepped up in the assist game and and scored points too when he's needed, no doubt, but really been a better facilitator and his assist numbers are up since the trade. And obviously Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride have been playing more. But honestly, if you told me, if you asked me which player has really stepped up during this run and has, you know, changed, like it's 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 Hartenstein. He has been everything you could possibly want. 17 uh, RB, uh, 17 RBIs, 17 rebounds, 20 rebounds, you know, assists, points, block shots. Like, he's done everything. He's been great. So of all the surprises that have come the second they made that trade and the second Mitch went down, of all of them, all the nice little pleasant surprises, I would say Hardenstein's the number one for me. It's He's he's completely changed who I thought he was. And now, I've, I you know, I don't think they miss Mitch that much, quite honestly. But to get him back at the end of the year would be just a, a major positive. But, yeah, tonight, 8.30, Knicks-Mavericks. I mean, Knicks are must-watch. Knicks are appointment TV right now. It sucks that it's 8.30. I don't know what I'm going to do because I typically – I like to get here at least an hour before the show. I got—I usually leave my house, 
sometime around 9, 9.15. I mean, I'm, to get here to, for the start of the game, I got to leave my house at 7. I got to take my son to Taekwondo on Thursdays. I got a lot to do. I'm hoping to go to the gym, believe it or not. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not lying to you. I'm going to try and go to the gym. So it's like uh, to get here for the game to start or otherwise I'm driving during the game, it sucks. I hate it. I mean, I guess I could listen to it on the radio, but I'm not the biggest NBA on the radio fan. Really, the only sport I can tolerate on the radio is, is baseball. That's about it. And maybe hockey if you just tune out the noise until a goal is scored or something. But, like, baseball is the only sport that I honestly could listen and not, like, feel like, oh, what a disaster. Like, when I drive to Disney, I'm like, okay, yeah, what time? The, we'll put the John and Susan on. That's that, I'm cool with that. There would be no, no other sport that I'd be cool with putting uh, it on radio. Except, of course, the net games right here on the fan, 877-337-6666. Lou in Atlantic City. I'll meet you in Atlantic City. What's up, man? How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good. Hey, I wanted to make a comment about Aaron Rodgers. Sure, please do. Now. You think about Aaron Rodgers in the Jets. Mm-hmm. If, if hypothetically he did not get hurt, yes, we'd be ready to run him out of town by now. Oh, I disagree. Because, and I'll tell you why I make that statement. Okay. That offensive line is so bad. Mm-hmm. They're, they're horrible. They can't protect anybody. I, and if you look at all the great quarterbacks in history, they all had a good offensive line. There's they not one of them that not one quarterback excelled with a bad offensive line. That's not true, but um, I can I can give you Russell Wilson. I'm telling you, Russell really think Wil- about it. Who, Russell Wilson really excelled. excelled. Russell Wilson excelled in Seattle without a good offensive line. This team won seven games. They won seven games. Trevis Trevis Simeon at least had a semblance of an offense. They won seven games. Ten could have gotten them in the playoffs. The Aaron Rodgers is not three games better than the slop they put forth the quarterback. I don't know. He's Do a four-time MVP. Do you think he's three, three games better. That's a lot. No, he is. He's three games better. He is. He's three uh, games better. I, I and and he right. makes and he makes the offensive line better. He gets rid of the ball quicker. He sets up. He knows when the he, he's better at reading blitzes. He changes plays. He does so much that makes the offensive line significantly better. Do you know how bad the offensive line for the Texans was last year, and how C.J. Stroud is able to do it now? You look at it now and you go, "Oh, that line's not bad." You just you just casually say it because you've seen the Texans play and they're a playoff team, and C.J. Stroud has done well. That offensive line isn't any good. CJ yeah, Stroud is transformed, like, he, but he's also like twenty years old. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. I mean? Yeah, but he's not Lamar Jackson running around. He's a no, he's a, he's a he's, pocket passer. He's quicker than than Rogers. Yeah, but I it's mean, not. It's not just. Like, it's not just running from it. It's not just running from it. It's 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 setting it up so you don't have to run from it. It's getting rid of right. the ball quickly. It's changing the play to a run play. It's it's moving your your running back to the opposite side so he can pick up the free man. It's a million different things that he will see inside this offense that will make the offensive line better. Not. I'm not telling you he transforms the offensive line to a great offensive line. It's not going to turn them into the '90s Cowboys. I get that. There's still going to be problems. The offensive line will still hurt the overall. They're not going to be the greatest show on turf. The offensive line probably won't allow that, but it won't be running for your life. Can't function. The offense will suck. We would have run them out of town by now because the offensive line's so bad. Like, I don't believe any of that. Like, it would get much better. Um, Fliegelman just sent me something now. So Garrett Wilson was on with uh, another radio station, uh, 
Barton Hahn on the other radio station, and he was asked um, if if simply getting Aaron Rodgers back at QB can fix what's wrong with the Jets. And apparently, Garrett Wilson started laughing. Yes. After a follow-up, he replied, Aaron is the offense. I'm serious. Not just his play. He's going to call. He's going to do some stuff to change the play, to get a call. It really unlocks a side of offense that's whenever you're running it, it works well. If Aaron is out there doing what he does, it's truly an offense in itself. I literally just said everything Gary Wilson just said. I don't know if I've ever been more proud of my football knowledge on any, and I'm not trying to say I, it's a it's a great football knowledge, but I don't know if I've ever been more proud of a take to have it followed up immediately by Garrett Wilson of the Jets saying the exact damn same thing. And I didn't read that, and I've been saying that for weeks, so I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm stealing from Garrett Wilson. I'm not. That's I've been saying it forever. And that's why I don't want to change. This is exactly why I don't want to change coaching staff. This is Garrett Wilson, who just called this season the worst year of his life. Garrett Wilson called this season the worst year of his life, and we need to figure something out. And he was on the coaching staff and the players. That's how pissed off he is about the offense they were running this year. And when asked about if Rodgers comes back, changes everything, he's literally laughing at, of course it does. Aaron is the offense. I'm serious. It's not just his play. He's going to call. He's going to do some stuff to change the play, to get the call in, to get the call. It really unlocks a side of offense that's whenever you're running it, it works well. If Aaron is out there doing what he does, it's truly an offense itself. In itself. Aaron is the offense. And even if that's not 100% true, he believes it. And so does the rest of the team. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that belief. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that offense onto himself. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the trust of this entire offense if he's out there asking the same questions as everybody else, learning something new. Yeah, he'll pick it up quicker than most, but it, it him inside this offense, knowing it the way he does, changes everything. It changes the offensive line. It changes the routes that are run. It changes everything. That's why you have to keep Hackett. Because you have to see if Garrett Wilson is right. You have to see if his offense is, if his play is an offense into itself. That's why, as much as I love, and I'm telling you, I love Rabel. I, I'm I, as a Giant fan, I, I wouldn't even be disappointed. I heard Sean today saying he had a little bit of a fear that Brian Dable might take the coach in Alabama, take the job in Alabama. If it meant Vrabel could be the Giants head coach, it wouldn't even I wouldn't even sweat it. I'd be thrilled to have Vrabel. I'd forget about Brian Dable. And I like Brian Dable, and I'm glad he's the coach. But that's how much I think of Vrabel. And I still, I don't think I would change things because he's not coming here without changing Hackett. And I'm not doing that. Unless there's another offensive coordinator who runs the exact same offense. Someone else who came from Green Bay. Someone else Aaron Rodgers trusts. Someone else who's running literally the same thing. Then I'd consider it. But you have got to see Aaron Rodgers 
with this team. He, he literally said it. Aaron is an off is the offense. I'm serious. It's not just his play. He's an when he gets it going. It's truly an offense in itself. That's why you have to do this. That's why you have to run it back. That's why you keep Hackett. That's why you keep the coach. That's why you keep the GM. Last year didn't happen. You close your eyes and you forget about it. Pretend you were in a coma for a year. Just wake up and pretend it's last year. It's the only thing you can do. And that that's exactly... And to anyone who thinks, oh, the offensive line sucks, he helps everything. He doesn't transform it to great necessarily, but he helps everything. The offensive line instantly gets better. All the... All the pre-snap penalties, all the the offensive procedural procedural penalties, all go away. All go away. You watch. You watch the false starts, the illegal shifts, all of it. The illegal formations, all of it go away. Because he knows this offense inside and out. And he runs it to perfection. And that changes everything. And that's why I want the Giants to draft a quarterback because the great quarterback inside an offense he knows changes everything. Stuart in Brooklyn, what's up, Stupot? Good morning, C-Mac. Good morning. We, we have to get a – the Giants have got to get a quarterback. I don't know who they're going to get. Where, what position are they, on? are they in for the draft? What position are they in for the draft? Yeah, what position the do Giants, they have? The Giants are the yeah. sixth. They have the sixth pick. So what are the chances of getting a quarterback? I don't at, know. At six? At, or later on? Uh, well, later on, their chances are excellent. I mean, they can get a quarterback in the second round easy, I would think, if they wanted right. to. It depends on who they like. depends on who they want. Uh, their odds of getting one of the top three quarterbacks at six are probably... None. Yeah, I mean, I would say 40-60 at best. Right. But that's why I'm interested in moving up. I want to move up. I'm looking to trade to move up. They have... They have two first round. They have two second round picks this year. Uh, I would. I would. They have four picks inside the first seventy. I would try my best to move up and make sure I got a quarterback. That's what I would do. There were reports. Oh, I, I there were there were reports. I guess I saw that. Although uh, Ralph Vacchiano, Vacchiano didn't write the, a story necessarily on it, I'm seeing reports that he said on NFL Network that he believes the Giants are being honest when they tell you they believe in Daniel Jones for both next year and moving forward. I I think that's a major mistake. We will see. Major. I can't. I, I, I can't. Mean, well, the last couple of years, but I mean, except for last year, what's he shown in the past? Aside from last year, which he had uh, 15 touchdowns. Yeah. And it's like they said that was a great year. It was. It was Don't forget okay, the eight rushing. Don't forget the eight rushing. Oh, please. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with please. you. Chris, he doesn't. He doesn't have. How's the How's the rushing going to continue when he just blew out his knee and he's got a neck injury? He's afraid not he, rush. He's got He's got a neck injury. You're afraid he's going to every time he gets tackled. You got a He's got a blown out knee. You're going to be afraid every time he runs. Like it's It's just It's no longer. Feasible. And they gave him 160 million dollars. Well, hopefully it's just going to be 80. Oh, uh, hopefully you're right. Hopefully, hopefully it's just this this year and next year and then they move on. Right, but getting to the Knicks, you're right. They're, they're a must watch. Oh my. 
Oh, I I'm, mean, I'm pumped for 8.30 tonight. You gotta watch around. it. What? I'm pumped for 8.30 tonight. You gotta watch it. By me to get Luca. Yeah, you gotta watch mm, it. Look, Chris, one thing. Oh, I would like to see number 77 in the garden. Number Luca s- in the garden. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. I mean, him on Broadway? Oh my God, that would be a show. That would be a show before. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. You can't. You can't wait for that. I, I don't. No, think we you can't wait for, wait for that. Anymore. But you know, we're getting this guy a movie. He is something else. This guy is spectacular. He plays defense and he can hit the three. Yeah, especially and he the corner three. Lot, and he opens it up for the other players. Yeah, because he plays defense. Yep. No, I mean he's been. Uh, you're 100 percent right, Stu. He's been an absolute godsend. It's been a perfect fit. It's been a perfect fit. And instantly, instantly. That again, I, I know I keep harping on that. I think there's something to be said about the instant nature of this. When it happens that easily, and even when even while players are disappointed that they lost like early on, I'm sure they're no longer disappointed. Because I, I think quickly and, and Barrett have played uh fairly well with Toronto as well, so maybe they'll be happy over there, but like when that when that trade first went down, you lose two brothers, you lose two guys you've been working with and and striving uh, and working hard with and striving to win with, like to see them both go, it's difficult. So even with those emotions, immediately, and it's not just hey they won a game. Immediately you saw it on the floor. You saw the instant impact and the way they played basketball. When it comes that easy, it's hard to fake that. It's hard to. It's not. They didn't have to learn it. Again, this would be if this five-game winning streak and the good play came in two weeks. Like, say, you know, they they the first eight games with him, they were f- they were four and four or three and five, and it's like, hey, it takes some time, but ultimately it'll 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 help them. And then they get to a point where it does help them, but they went through. Like, I would feel pretty. I'd still feel pretty good about it if they were playing basketball like this and beating Philadelphia by the amount of points they beat them and 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 winning five in a row. Yeah, sure, I'd feel I'd feel pretty good. But the idea. That it's like one of those things where it just immediately, it's like dropping the final puzzle piece. Like it just fit right in there instantly and suddenly it changed everything. He's like a tree in a Bob Ross painting where you're like, I don't know, Bob, uh, this thing looks kind of weird. Don't you think uh, you just ruined it? You did the, what what do you put? A little pebble, a little, uh, a pebble fountain? Bob, you ruined that painting. And then suddenly, whoop. The tree goes up, and you're like, it brings everything together. That's a that's Ananubi. He's a Bob Ross tree. He's a happy little tree. But instantly, it changed everything, and that's what makes me feel better about Rose and Thibodeau. It's like they knew he knew exactly the player that Tibbs needed. Tibbs knew exactly how to get it implemented, and now roles are defined. Everything's going in the right direction, and it happened liquidy split, and that's. And right now they're going to have their first. Well, I shouldn't say first. Obviously, Philadelphia on the road to test. Although it's hard to take it as such when they it looked like they didn't show up. But maybe the Knicks had something to do with it. Sure, the first game was against the the Wesley leading Minnesota Timberwolves, so that was a test. Uh, but ultimately, a couple of these games have been against bums, and certainly the last game against Portland, uh, not a great basketball team. This is tonight, and on the road against Luca and Dallas, who've been playing well. This is a real good test. They're eleven and eight in home. 22 and 16 on the season. They're in the middle of the uh, Western Conference, and they've got a superstar. This is a good test to go into Dallas and win a basketball game and turn this five-game winning streak into six and make everybody feel, Have a, you know, I'll, I'll be on right after the game, 
pumping you up, getting us excited about Nick basketball. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. So, yeah, someone just tweeted at me. My buddy Al, I believe. Yes. Who is a Zach Truther. You hear that? Quote from Gary Wilson, Al, about how Aaron Rodgers changes everything and he's an offense onto himself. Did you hear that one? But thank you for the heads up. Apparently, uh, Luka Doncic uh, is not going to play Thursday night against the Knicks with a sprained ankle. Uh, the Knicks announced that. I'm seeing the story. was they, He put it out there. Stephen bon, uh, Stephen Bondi had it at uh, 1214 this morning. I didn't see it. So, yeah, Luca is going to miss the game against the Knicks, which is a bit of a bummer. I mean, it gives them a better chance uh, to win, and ultimately I want the Knicks to win, but I was looking forward to seeing them play against the Dallas and, and Luca. But as Al said, that's okay. Kyrie will probably beat them. So we'll see. It's still a good team. It's a better test. It's not as sexy now if they don't, without doing it without Luca, but. I am pumped about the Knicks. There's no question about it. And so is, uh, I'm sure so is uh, Stephen A. Smith, who's a big uh, Knicks fan. He's pumped. He's pumped about something these days. Have Did you see? I mean, it's all over the place. Stephen A. Smith going after uh, Whitlock. I've, it was, it's crazy. Stephen A. Smith has a podcast. And... I guess he can say whatever he wants on that podcast because he sure did. And he just goes after Jason Whitlock. Like, I've never seen anybody in the media go after anybody else in the media before. I mean, the names, the insults, the the fat, you know. So apparently what happened is, and Whitlock is a polarizing character, no doubt about it. And Stephen A. Smith is at the top of the food chain of what he does. Uh, and, you know, if you watch the promo of him setting it up, he was actually, uh, the actual interview, uh, excuse me, the actual, like, comments were funny, and he and he goes in on things that I don't know, but I guess here's the gist of it. I guess he put out a, a they've had tumultuous relationships through the years, I guess, and at different times, you know, certain things happened, this one disrespected that one, Whitlock's been asking for forgiveness, I don't know, but apparently what, what recently happened to spark Stephen A. Smith wanted to go after him with such veracity uh, was he in his book, I guess, Stephen A. Smith, I don't know if he just recently put it out or it's out for a while, but he talks about his basketball career at some, at some college and he was unable to play because he broke his kneecap, but he was as good as this person or that person. And Whitlock took him down. He said, he claims he played one game before getting injured, but he averaged, this is Stephen A. Smith, this is Whitlock talking about Stephen A. Smith, but he averaged one and a half points. How do you average one and a half points in a game? Is there a one and a half basket? Is there a, one, is there a point and a half shot? So like he's, he's taking shots at Stephen A. Smith's claims about playing basketball. That Stephen A. Smith called the coach of that team his, his, his mentor and someone who's you know been an integral part of his life or whatever. And then he references that the guy, the actual coach, wrote a memoir on a book and never mentioned Stephen A. Smith's name in it. Like, silly things. Like, you know, 
going after him for some stuff about personal accolades at the college basketball level uh, in his memoirs, or whatever. But so that was the ge- that was the genesis of Stephen A. Smith just going scorched earth on him and just absolutely calling him the most despicable human being he's ever met. You know, uh, calling him a every name under the sun of uh, a, a fat f you know cursing it was unbelievable and the best part of it though if you get a chance to watch i don't know if i want to play i think we have a couple of a clips i don't know if we'll play it or not but the best part is the promo leading up to it that this is what and stephen a smith's just overall demeanor through it is absolutely wild it's 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 very entertaining and he promos that he did like a thing like promoting coming up on the podcast. I don't I don't normally do this, but this is what needs to be done. And he's like, I called my pastor. I called my sister. I, I warned everybody that this was coming because this is not like me. Right? That's soft-spoken Stephen A. Smith. But when he talked about calling his pastor, he let people at ESPN know it was coming. He was like, I warned everyone. And he needed to. He went absolutely scorched earth on Jason Whitlock. Like I've never seen before. He took that podcast and absolutely just laid into him with some of the most. Can we play one of the Flegum? You want to play one of them, where he's just he's just killing him over some story, and he he asked him, you know, all the different situations that have come up through their history, and Whitlock would ask for favors, or Whitlock betrayed him, and it's 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 crazy. But here, let's let's play at least one of the cuts here of Stephen A. Smith going after Jason Whitlock. Weeks later, you wrote a lengthy apology to me in an email begging me to forgive you, pointing out how you were betrayed by this particular writer. So you know how I must feel that you betrayed me. Did you tell the folks that you bitch? Did you tell them? You fat piece of shit. Did you tell them that? (laughs) That's the only cut you need to hear. <laughs> oh my goodness! I can't. <laughs> just tell him that. <laughs> oh my god, that's and and that the soft-spoken nature of it is just—he's not yelling; he's under control. If you watch the like, he's he's going through some papers. He's moving his phone around. He's like, he's in his element. That was, I did not see that coming. If you get a chance, check out the Stephen A. Smith podcast. It's worth it. 877-337-6666. Yeah. <laughs> you fat piece. Uh, as I said before, I, when, I, when I first heard that, it was almost, you know, it made me miss work in the afternoons. Uh, because we re- we referenced earlier how I was right about the uh, with the news of the baseball and every again with the Stroman stuff, we're right back at it. We're right back at the Yamamoto thing. We're right back at every single report by every single person contradicts the one before it. Stroman's begging to be a Yankee. Yankees aren't interested. Wait a minute, the Yankees may be interested. Wait a minute, the Yankees are the favorites. Wait a minute, they're progressing in conversations. Wait a minute, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So I, I hearken back to the day I was 100% right about the arson judge tweet from John Heyman, which it's just, it, over the last couple of years, I know social media, 
the I've talked about this already. The one coming out of this thing smelling like a rose is um, the one reporter who has not decided to get into it over and over again with all his the the different um reporting and all the different uh uh i, I lost his name for a second uh jeff passan passan is the one guy who all the other guys morosi's made a mistake uh this year and got a story wrong about the the plane with uh otani and you know, different guys have gotten quite, but it's everyone's got to be first with meaningless information. Like information we'll get 30 seconds later from someone else. And I love the tweets too. And it's like catching up on credit. Like this one had a, you know, like who cares? What do you, do you actually, I guess you go to, do you go to, do these reporters go to their papers or respective companies that have them and, and say, hey, look, I was the first one to three of this story and that story. And, and oh, okay, I guess I'll pay you. I mean, what I don't. It's just so weird. But Jeff Passan has been the one guy here where he has not said a word unless he knew what was happening, and he's he's getting lauded for it. The rest of the reporters should look at. They're still all chasing who's going to get it first, and Jeff Passan's just waiting around until he knows and then sends out information. It's almost like we all we don't trust it until we hear it from Jeff Passan. He's flipped the game on its. He's he's flipped the script. E Frank in a story. What's up, E Frank? Yes. What's up? What's up, buddy? Uh, I was listening right now to uh, the individual you were talking about, and it's you know, words. That's that's terrible. But that happens in the sports world. There are guys who use bad language and offensive understandings of life, and you got to tolerate that. But I called. I told you, call screener that I want to talk more about the NFL picture. Let's do it with the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, uh, what do you think uh, is going to be the outcome with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in the wild card? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers are in a tough spot. Uh, I think if you, you're going into Buffalo, a team that's streaking and just beat Miami to finish off uh, winning a division title after being 6-6, six and six, the quarterback still turns the ball over, but here's the problem. The weather, apparently the, the wind is going to be really bad. And I just like, as much as Pittsburgh has the two different backs and, and can r- ground and pound a little bit, uh, the ability of Josh Allen to run the football, have a better op- chance to throw the football through wind. He's got a much stronger arm than the quarterbacks that, uh, you know, than, than uh, Pittsburgh's quarterback, Rudolph. Uh, I just, and plus they're playing at home. I think they're the better team. And I think there's going to be an element of Pittsburgh did one hell of a job just to get into the playoffs. I think Pittsburgh, uh, that, that Buffalo has more to prove here. Buffalo has a bigger aspirations, and I think overall they're a much better team. I think they can still run the ball with Cook and that and that offense, and they've kind of become a little bit more of that kind of run-based team over the last few weeks, especially since the change in offensive coordinator. But Josh Allen can throw the ball through the wind. If there's going to be wind in this game, uh, I just I really think Buffalo is the the better team, the tougher team, and I think the quarterbacks can be able to make the difference throwing through the wind and running. And his ability to run and uh, you know make plays with his legs are probably going to be what the uh, the difference is. But ultimately, I just think they're better than Pittsburgh. It would be a it would be a an enormous enormous upset if Pittsburgh could figure out a way to win this game. Yeah, and I just want to ask you: uh, Do you think Robert Sala deserves another year as a head coach for the Jets? Here's my answer to that: E. Frank deserves got nothing to do with it. Does he deserve it? No. Is he going to get it? Yes. Is it the right thing? Yeah. 
as I read the quotes before. Let me read them again to you from Sauce Gardner. Uh, Sauce Gardner. Garrett Wilson, who is uh, on uh, ESPN Radio. When asked if simply getting Aaron Rodgers back a QB can fix what's wrong with the Jets' offense, yes, he said, laughing. After uh, another follow-up, Aaron is the offense. I'm serious. Not just his play. He's going to he's going to call. He's going to make a call. He's going to do some stuff to change the play to get a call. It really unlocks a side of offense. That's whenever you're running it, it works well. If Aaron is out there doing what he does, it's truly an offense in itself. And that's why you don't change the coach. Because I don't think you're going to bring in a coach that you know is better than Robert Sala, which there are a couple, and believe me, I've said it a bunch of times, I think Vrabel is an excellent, excellent head coach. And I would do a lot under normal circumstances. This would be easy. If Aaron Rodgers wasn't the quarterback, if this was just the last failed year of Zach Wilson, I would fire Robert Sala so fast and do everything I could to get Mike Vrabel, your head would spin. If I were Woody Johnson, I would that's I would do everything I could to convince him to come be a Jet head coach. But I've brought in Aaron Rodgers. I have this offensive coordinator who, with him, Aaron Rodgers is an offense into himself. The team believes it. Garrett Wilson believes it. They just voted him the most inspirational player. They bought, they're into this thing hook, line, and sinker. And I believe it too. I believe it helps the offensive line. There's there's not a single acquisition the Jets could make that would impact the team more than just simply bringing back Aaron Rodgers. There's not a, there's not one offensive lineman they could bring in that would help the offensive line better than the than Aaron Rodgers. There's not a single wide receiver they could bring in that would help the passing game more than Aaron Rodgers. There's not anything. He's going to help the offense more than at every single spot than any player you could bring in. And I got to keep Hackett to do that. And if I'm going to keep Hackett, I have to keep Sala. Otherwise, I'm just hiring someone who would take that circumstance, and that doesn't guarantee me a better coach. So deserve has got nothing to do with it. He doesn't deserve it. He got lucky. But it's the right thing to do. I still believe that. I st- Even with guys out there who I – even if Harbaugh is available – if he becomes available and decides to not sign his new contract with Michigan, uh, Vrabel, obviously Bill Belichick's not coming here, but like if Pete Carroll decided, hey, you know what, I'm not done coaching and I'm not going to just take some sort of uh, you know advisory role here in Seattle, I'm going to go be a coach somewhere. I, I wouldn't hire him over. I'm, I am not messing with Aaron Rodgers and this offense. It's the only, I, I sold my soul for it. How can I give up on it now? How can I give up on it now? Like if I, if I sold my soul to become, um, you know, what was that that movie with George uh, George Burns where he was God? The guy becomes a, a rock and roller, right? A musician. If I sold my soul to become the biggest selling artist of all time, and then the devil, you know, comes to me, he goes, uh, <clears throat> you know, I got the flu. It's gonna it's gonna take me a month. I, I don't like, I don't circumvent it and try and figure another way to become a super. I wait the month. Like there's nothing else to do. You wait. For the devil to return. Because the devil you know. 
877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you, continuing to take your phone calls as we get ready for Super Wild Card Weekend. We can get into the games a little bit. Buffalo and Pittsburgh is not the only game being played. We obviously have Cleveland-Houston, which is probably one of the more um, intriguing matchups, uh, believe it or not. Cleveland's considered uh, a team that is one of the threats to really take down Baltimore. Uh, they've played really well, obviously, with Flacco. Uh, they're in the division. They know they know Baltimore well. Uh, Stefanski's a good head coach. This defense, now especially at home, they kind of are a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I wouldn't say they're, they're Hyde necessarily on the road, but they're just so much better at home. But to go into Houston to take on this upstart Houston Texans team with obviously C.J. Stroud at the rookie quarterback position, uh, you know, my my initial thought was Cleveland, just rookie quarterbacks, it's tough. First game, postseason, rookie quarterback, going up against this Cleveland team that's hot, but, like, I can't get away from how much I like C.J. Stroud and how in- impressive he is. And this and him and this coach doing something special on the road with this Cleveland defense isn't quite as good. I think it's actually going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's one of the better ones of the week. It's not as sexy. It's not as, you know, it's not Green Bay-Dallas. It doesn't have... Quarterbacks going home and and in in the in the Rams or Detroit, uh, but I think it's I think it's going to be a good game. It doesn't have the seven degree weather that Miami walks into Kansas City, and that's unfortunately the story. That you know, I don't know how you could feel confident or feel good in any way with the injuries Miami has going to Kansas City with that weather and that temperature, where it could get down to four below, and could be one of the coldest games in NFL history. It's just uh, for a Miami team where I think I, I think I read that Tua said the coldest game he ever played in was 30 degrees. You could be talking about 34 degrees colder than that. That's just a tough spot. And it's an interesting game because, you know, Kansas City right now is not Kansas City. The question is, what team shows up? Like, what if this offense can't perform like they typically do, I know the defense is better this year, but if Patrick Mahomes in that offense aren't the strong suit of the team, are they good enough to win? Like I always think of when you have a great quarterback, when which Patrick Mahomes is, and you have a great, typically great offense, and the team has has made its bones being an offensive team. When that's not any longer their strong suit, whether it's just for a season, whether it's just because of injuries, whatever the case may be, if the strong suit of the team is something other than that quarterback and that offense, I worry about it. We've seen it work before. Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with Denver, and it probably was a a, a little bit of a a longer stretch. It, it it took more. It was it was a longer time period from where he was breaking touchdown records to that Super Bowl, where as Patrick Mahomes was from one year to the next, that was a bit of a dragged out process as the Denver Broncos became more of a defensive team. But I mean, we've seen it. It's not impossible. But I always want that team to do what it does best traditionally especially in the playoffs. So the idea that Patrick Mahomes and that offense and that passing attack and him and Kelsey and, you know, him, him scoring points and inside an Andy Reid offense, if they're going to rely a little bit on that defense to be the better unit of the two, I don't, obviously, it's more than just losing the offense. It's losing their identity. And that's, an, that's, that's a, a typical problem I have when I look at teams going into the postseason. Especially teams who are, you know, have that just Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes is the team. 
And if that's not the strong suit, I'm concerned about them. But I think they're in a great spot. A banged up Miami team going into you know negative four degrees in Kansas City in that building that's traditionally impossible to play against Patrick Mahomes in that weather, I, that's a tough spot. Tough spot for Miami. Tough spot for Green Bay. Dallas has been so good at home. And that offense has been so good at home. And there's another quarterback, not a rookie clearly, but first year starting for love. And he's been great down the stretch of the season, other than the Giant game really, has been great. Made a couple of great passes in that game uh, at the end of the year to beat the Bears, who are really trending in the right direction. And that defense had become one of the better defenses in the NFL over the last five weeks since they traded for Sweat. Uh, So, I mean, that was a good performance. They deserve to be there. They won that game that Aaron Rodgers could not win last year against uh, Detroit. Home home winning in, they got it. But to go into Dallas right now, I just think, think Dallas in Dallas is as good as any team in the NFL. I think that's what they've proven over the course of the year. And then leave it up to Detroit to get a storyline with their first overall pick quarterback who they traded away, who went and won a Super Bowl, for him to come back with the uh, the, uh, Rams and I don't know about overshine, but be the major storyline of their first home playoff game in 30 years. I mean that's what they ha- that's what they have to deal with. They have to deal with this offense and this Rams team that for me was up until Buffalo became the 2 seed. Now it's hard to talk about them in that kind of vein because they won the division and are now the 2 seed in the AFC. But those are the two teams that were streaking down the end of the season to just sneak back into the playoffs who I feel are dangerous. And the Rams played a lousy game against the Giants, but ultimately this passing attack uh, with uh, Nakua and uh, Cup and Stafford, I think, and obviously the coach is an offensive genius, I think they're a dangerous team. And Detroit has, all, as much as you love Campbell, right, and as much as you expect him to have his team ready, it's the first playoff game of Detroit in 30 years. There is a lot of pressure on this team. This is a team that came in with expectations, met those expectations, won the division, and have further expectations. This is a game that Detroit can't lose. And they don't play a lot of those. So I'm 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 really interested in, in that game too. There's a lot of good matchups. And then Philadelphia Tampa is not a good matchup other than is Philadelphia honestly going to lose to Tampa Bay? Is this team, this Philadelphia Eagles team that was undefeated for a stretch of the year until they lost to the Jets, were the last team to lose, were the one seed for most of the year? are defending NFC champions, have they fallen out to the point where they can't go beat Baker Mayfield and a Todd Bowles-led team? I don't care it's on the road. They can't go into Tampa and win that game against a lousy Buccaneer team that scored nine points against Carolina in a must-win game last week with a a traditionally lousy head coach in Todd Bowles, although he's won back-to-back division titles. That's the the only question to me is I know what they are. I know what Baker Mayfield is. He's banged up. I don't trust him necessarily, but he's got moxie. He'll make plays, and especially against this Philadelphia defense. Like that, are they going to go into Tampa and let Baker Mayfield? And yes, they have some wide receivers. Yes, they have you know some good offensive weapons. But is Baker? Are you going to fall to the point where Baker Mayfield tears you up? in a playoff game, to send you home in the first round? I just, I still can't see it. 
I just can't see it. I, I just tried to talk it into existence. It still doesn't feel right in my mouth. Like, I just can't imagine Philadelphia losing this game. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's the Eagles. I know, that, listen, they've been playing terribly in the defense. My God. I mean, to, to blow the lead they blew against uh, the Cardinals, to get wiped out by the Giants, to have the same issues they've had, really, the entire last, I don't know, five, six weeks of the year at, at the minimum. And, you know, Baker Mayfield's had his moments. You know, him and this this passing attack have had their moments. But I still, I just can't believe it. I just, I can't believe Philadelphia would lose this game. But they certainly can. On the road, they, they go from pretty much being the one seed all year to having to go play Tampa on the road. Amazing. So for me, we'll get through it a little bit more tomorrow. We'll go through the games. Obviously, we'll give you the picks. But just looking at it, I I, I think, you know, as far as just winning, I, I like a lot of the I, – I like – I think – I think Kansas City, Buffalo, Dallas, I'd be extremely disappointed if those teams don't move on. I could see Cleveland upsetting Houston. Uh, I don't even, it's not upsetting, obviously. Cleveland going on the road and winning. I could obviously see Philadelphia, as I just said. I could even see the Rams beating Detroit. I can't see, and I would think the most pressure for me is clearly on Dallas. I mean, Dallas can't lose this game. Dak can't lose this game. Of all the players playing in this week, this weekend's games, I would say of all the pressure, all the teams that can't lose, for me it's probably head coach, team, quarterback, all three of the Cowboys. The head coach can't lose this game. The quarterback cannot lose this game. The team cannot lose this game. They have to be good enough to beat Love and the Green Bay Packers. 877-337-6666. Four hours down, they fly by when you're having fun. One more to go. Until 5 o'clock in the warm-up show as we finish up our five-hour midnight ride. So if you want to call on the NFL games, again, we have another five-hour show tomorrow to really dive in to Super Wildcard Weekend. I was just talking about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, Wink Martindale, but we opened the show with some baseball. As the smartest man in the room, David Stearns, running the Mets, showed no real interest in his, you know, his comments at the introductory press conference of Severino and Bader. Two former Yankees, two castaway Yankees, the two major moves they made in this offseason. No, no real interest in adding another bad hey. He he finds it very nice that you guys all want more. It's very nice that the fan base should I mean it's a positive, really, that the, the fan base wants to sign everybody. It's great. It's great. It's just great. It sounds like when I tell my son, when my son's like, Daddy, look, Daddy, look. And then he just like, you know, spins on the floor. And I'm like, that's great. It's great. It's great. What are the Mets doing? And what are the Yankees doing with Stroman? Our baseball season has to figure itself out because we can't have a football season. We're lucky we got the Rangers and Knicks right now. But this baseball season better figure itself out. And this baseball offseason better figure. Sign someone. Please do something. I need something to talk about here. 